This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to the morning break with Graham Stanley. It's Tuesday the 3rd of May. No, it isn't. It's the 10th of May. Today I'll be talking to Mercedes Viola from Uruguay about educational... No, sorry, let me start again. About inclusive education. I hope I uh, get my act together very shortly. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. Um, after that false start, welcome to the morning break. Uh, my special guest today is Mercedes Viola. Mercedes is from Uruguay in South America, and she is a teacher, teacher educator, a specialist in inclusion, curriculum development, evaluation, and cultural transformation. She's also an architect, and she's the founder and director of an organization called 4D Lab, which offers partnership and help to others around inclusive quality education, gender equality, and reducing inequality in general. I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with Mercedes, and I think she'll have a lot to say that will be of interest. If you are listening in live, then why not come and join us? To do so, please download the Podbean app on your mobile, visit ttradio.org, and click on Listen Live on the homepage. That should take you directly into the show. And there you can post comments and ask questions during the conversation. Now, I am hoping I will be right back with Mercedes after the Teacher Talk radio news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb Digital Portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. 
Research Ed event took place recently at King's Leadership Academy in Warrington and was attended by more than 300 teachers from settings across the UK. The full day consisted of over 40 sessions given by leading academics and educationalists, including Tom Sherrington, Paul Kirshner and Zoe Enser. The day was arranged by Mike Childs and Sarah Vernon, who are both senior leaders at King's Leadership Academy in Warrington. Mike Childs said, Research Ed events present the very best thinking and approaches in education, which is why the event became a sellout with people travelling from all over the UK. The ability to put many sessions online meant we could allow over 400 to attend either in person or virtually. In Scotland, Water Safety Scotland, in partnership with Education Scotland, has launched the first of its free educational resources for schools. This new initiative affirms its commitment to reducing accidental drowning deaths in Scotland by 50% by 2026. Laura Erskine, Education Subgroup Chair for WSS, said, On average, there are 96 water-related fatalities in Scotland each year. We want to encourage safe and responsible access to Scotland's waterways, which can be a positive and enjoyable experience for young people when coupled with appropriate risk awareness and education. WSS aims to roll out the next phase of this initiative in late May and will continue this during the rest of 2022. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello. This week, we're going to take a look at the much-coveted presentation clicker. It's a must-have device for a lot of teachers out there, as it allows you to move slides whilst AFK. For those new to 2-Minute Tech, AFK is away from keyboard. Ranging in price from £8 to £30, this classroom essential allows you to stretch your legs and make a few shapes while you dance around the room. Some of us have a mandatory piece of blue tack over the built-in laser pointer. Others have invested in a bit of duct tape. So we ensure the device meets health and safety regulations. And most of us have a small stash of AAA batteries in a secret place that we never admit to having. Well, Clicker, I'm telling you to stand aside. The mini wireless multimedia keyboard is taking your place. Having a lower price range of £8 to £15 and being able to do everything that Clicker does except blind pupils as it has no laser pointer and, wait for it, it is rechargeable. You have full keyboard and mouse control from anywhere in your classroom. You can move slides on, Alt-Tab to switch applications, type, use Spacebar to stop and start YouTube clips for questioning. Battery life is quite honestly ridiculously long. And if it runs out, a five-minute charge on the USB lead will get you through your lesson. All I can say is if you're considering replacing your clicker or are simply a gadget magnet, this is a must-have. Search for mini wireless keyboard in any online shop. The only thing I'd say is get one with a light-up keyboard if you present with the lights off. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back. I am here with Mercedes Viola. Mercedes, can you hear me? Hi. Yes, of course. I can hear you. Good morning. Perfect. Good morning. How are you, Mercedes? Pretty well, thank you. Early in the morning here in Uruguay. Yes, it's even earlier. It's two two hours earlier here in Mexico. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. So let's enjoy well, our breakfast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, mm. Well, it's great to talk to you again, Mercedes. Did I miss anything out of my introduction? I don't know if you heard that. Perhaps. No. Um, Perhaps if we could hear in your own words what it is you do now and how you got to where you are now. 
Okay, sure. Well, I'm the founder and director of 4D Lab. 4D Lab is a certified B Corporation. Maybe you're not familiar with that, but these are companies that seek the triple impact. That means, of course, you, you're running a business because you live on your job, but at the same time, you are trying to create a positive impact in society and the environment. So um, first, when I started 4D, it was, we were just working with English classes. And at the same time, like in parallel, I, was, uh, I organized two different, I created actually two different organizations together with other people, not alone. One is ProEdu, Educación Inclusiva, that is an organization in which we work towards inclusive education, helping people to and teachers to be inclusive and students to be part of the educational system. And then another one that is called the Alliance that is about inclusive workplaces. But finally, when we certify 4D as a B Corp, that was like five years ago, six years ago, we decided to put everything together into 4D Lab. So now 4D Lab is um, an organization that actually works towards like cultures of communication, cultures of inclusion, and cultures of regeneration. <laughs> Excellent, wonderful. So that's where you are now, and um, it's very exciting what you're what you're doing with 4D Lab and um, and helping. Um, organizations and teachers etc with uh, inclusion but what i'd like to do is backtrack if if i may um i'd love to hear about your own experience of education and school growing up in uruguay and to what extent uh this was inclusive or not inclusive and how that sort of shaped the direction that you've decided to take good well, as you said in my introduction, I'm an architect, but I also have an MA in TESOL and, and actually I've been working in education for, I don't know how long, many, many years, and maybe 30 or more. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and well, I have three kids that they are grown up now. And my youngest daughter, uh, who is now 22, she has Down syndrome. So when she was born, well, we st I started studying everything about inclusion uh, because most of the people suggested that we should send her to a special, to a special mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. And we thought that the best education for her was at the same school her brother and sister were attending. So, well... I started studying, creating like networks, reading, talking, participating in courses, workshops in order to try to like, let's say, open the door for her. And at the end, yeah, she attended the same school, her brother and sister. And well, but in that process, um, of course, I learned a lot. I met a lot of people. I'm still learning a lot and meeting a lot of people. And uh, so that's why we decided to create this ProEdu in order to help other families uh, with this process, because even though um, being part of the education system and the regular education system is, is a human right, um, it's not being that easy because, well, there are a lot of barriers that we have as society and in the education system. So, well, we decided to, well, to create also this ProEdu in order to help teachers, to help parents in this process, uh, because you have to work and try, yes, to eliminate a lot of barriers that exist. So sometimes it can get tough. <laughs> for families. So we decided to support uh, those families in this process and to help the education system move towards a more inclusive um, setting, becoming more inclusive. Great. Uh, Mercedes, could you 
um, talk a little bit about what you think your daughter has, um, how your daughter's benefited from actually this type of more inclusive education being with uh, her siblings um, instead of being in a special school, for example, which was what was suggested to you at, at the beginning. Uh, a huge, uh, well, it was excellent. Actually, uh, Magda, that is my daughter now, she's in her in her third year of the university here in Uruguay. Is the first person with Down syndrome at the university in Uruguay. Fantastic. And, well, of course, I'm the mother, so sometimes it's difficult to... <laughs> to <laughs> but actually, she's doing great. She's very happy and she's learning a lot. It's amazing. Sometimes people get surprised when they talk to her because many of us come from this old paradigm in which maybe people with Down syndrome were not educated. So it's not that they cannot be part of the society. They cannot be part. They can always be part, but they cannot maybe interact that well because of the Down syndrome. It's because they didn't have education. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you think about this, sometimes this is what, imagine you have a son or a daughter, you have a kid, and you decide not to send him or her to school. You don't take him or her to birthday parties, to social events. You just <laughs> have your son or your daughter at home, yeah. only interacting with you and maybe not that much. Yeah, They would never learn. So the same happened with people with Down syndrome. In the past, this is what we used to do. And when you go to a regular school, the good thing is that you're interacting with people that is always like, um, how can I say this? Encouraging you to do more, to speak mm -hmm. better, to try to express yourself better. Uh, so it's, it's an excellent motivation that you have because you wanna interact with your peers, you wanna play, you wanna learn. And, and at the same time, for the other kids, it's also great because everybody learns a lot about diversity, how to talk to different people, how to not only accept, but also let us enrich ourselves with the diversity we have around us. So I always say this, actually, inclusive environments are better, are better environments for everybody, not just for people with disabilities are the best environments for everybody because these are environments that are welcoming, that try to look on the your strength to build from there. I know. <laughs> no, I, I think what you're saying makes complete sense. I think it, um, it sounds very, uh, very logical, very obvious when you say it. I think that, you know, this is, should be an inclusive environment. It should be how we deal with um, with Down syndrome, with disability, with with all you know, all sorts of basically the same equal rights should be what we offer all children if we can, really, isn't it? The case. Yeah. Um, do you think things are changing? I mean, since you were first given that advice and you started looking uh, at different options. In, in in Uruguay in in the school system, do you think things are changing, or do you know do the special schools still exist? Is this still something that um, is is suggested to parents and to children? Well, that's an excellent question, and what is happening in Uruguay is also happening throughout Latin America and maybe in other parts of the world as well. We, of course, inclusion is a process and we are moving like in this process now. We are like taking steps, but still there's a lot to do. Um, I work with a lot of families and many mothers, especially mothers, because you usually talk to mothers more than fathers, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, they call me because once they are going to school and then maybe the teacher or maybe the principal say, well, why don't you take your son or your daughter to a special school instead of here? Why don't you take him or her maybe twice a week to a special school, three times a week here? Uh, and there's still a lot of 
barriers, even though you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to to say that to families because um, they have to be there. Sometimes teachers say, and I understand, well, we are not prepared. We are not ready. We haven't been trained for that. I understand that. But at the same time, for instance, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities mm -hmm. uh, was approved in 2006. Right. Uruguay, for instance, ratified that in 2008, and most of the countries in Latin America did the same. So it's been how many years? 14 years. So it's kind of difficult sometimes to think that you don't have time to get ready to study, to prepare in 14 years. Yeah, I think I think that um, it's so interesting what you, you have to say about that, Mercedes. I think, you know, to a certain extent, I think I can I can understand how um, there's a pressure on teachers. But I think the system in itself needs to better train teachers right from the initial training, I think, in the universities, et cetera. Is that something that is that you see happening? Is that something that you're trying to lobby for? Or mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're right. This is not like to push teachers because we know I am a teacher. Um and we are under a lot of pressure and a lot of things, and we have to work one place and another place. So the problem is, again, as you were saying, sometimes it's the education system. This is a systemic transformation, right? Yeah. We need to transform the educational system, but not only because of inclusion, because of we are, no, we are in the 21st century. We've been talking about the 21st century skills for I don't know how many years. We are in the year 2022. <laughs> And sometimes we haven't changed that much. <laughs> so we are still working on the paradigm of the industrial revolution <laughs> in, in education, I mean. Everybody, all the kids have to start at the same time. We have, you go to, you start classes, then you have a break, 10 minute break, then you go back, or you have a half an hour break and then you go back. The same as the traditional factory. And, and everybody has to finish and to do the same things at the same time and have and reach the same targets at the same time. And this is against their natural, uh, the natural way they evolve. So, um, of course, as you are saying, what we need to do is to train, to change the educational system, also in, to train teachers from day zero uh, on inclusive education. This has to be something that is along all the subjects. It's not something another subject. Okay, today we're going to talk about inclusive education. No, it's, it's kind of the principles. Mm -hmm. So, and this is not happening. There are, of course, um, sometimes they, now we have, for instance, in Uruguay and in other parts of Latin America as well, because, well, I work a lot in networks with people from the region and, pre and people worldwide on these topics. They include a subject that is about, in the past it was, and sometimes still is, uh, people will, um, how do you say in Spanish, we say dificultades de aprendizaje, like they have Le learning yeah, difficulties. Yeah, learning difficulties. But so you're putting the focus on the difficulty, yeah. but you are not talking about inclusion. That is mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. Inclusion means that all the students can be here, all the students participate, all the students progress, they make progress. So it's the starting points, the principles, the foundations are different, different than the traditional school. So this is something that has to be taught and has to get into the whole system. Now in Uruguay, they are like redesigning the curricula for teachers training courses. Good. Um, hopefully is with this in mind like with these principles and with this view of education. But again, I'm saying, I, I don't like like showing just the, the, the negative side of things, but mm -hmm. I always say like, we have to think about the students. We have to think about the families. There are a lot, a lot of kids that are still struggling to be in school. 
and forget about disabilities. For instance, in Uruguay, only 40% of the students finish high school. Yeah. <laughs> so that means something. Yeah, that, that is a, a problem. Certainly, I know it's a problem across uh, across the Americas, and I think uh, it's probably a problem globally as well. But uh, it, it is something that uh, is very difficult to tackle. But but um, yeah, do you have any 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 insight into why why that is? <clears throat> well, because I think is well, these are systemic changes and systems are complex things. So there's, um, there are like a lot of forces inside. It's, yeah. it's a complex matrix, but um, you can do it. There are a lot of like ways of trying to change systems. For instance, uh, theory U, that is, this is a theory that it was written by Otto Scharmer, who is a professor at MIT and he founded a presence institute there and they are working on systemic transformations worldwide so they have kind of a methodology to work on that because uh, it's very difficult to try to change a system if the system cannot sense see and sense its own blind spots right and so you have to work towards that. Now we are um, we are having this international uh, Latin American festival actually that is mm -hmm. called Incluir para Crecer. Mm -hmm. That is um, a Latin American festival on, in, on inclusive economy. Yeah. And this is what we are trying to do with this festival. Again, because when, whenever you're talking about inclusion and especially the inclusion of people with disabilities, Okay, you can find in general the same people are there. Yes, <laughs> those people, the, those of us who are familiar with disabilities and things like that. And this is a um, we need to change society. We need to change how everybody perceives people with disabilities and how we interact with that and how we eliminate the barriers in society. So it's not just about talking with people or families of people with disabilities. It's, like creating these conversations in which we can all be part, we can all realize and we can all see our biases, our own blind spots as, as a person and then as a group, as a community. So we can work towards like uh, moving forward, like finding new ways of, um, of interacting of living together and that is possible actually you can do it but we need to uh, to reflect on that to talk about that to talk to one another to create new ways and so this um a festival that's the aim of this festival yeah. <laughs> it's not just um, about having people talking about this but creating the space to hold conversations, meaningful conversations with people with and without disabilities to, uh, on different areas. Education is one of the area. Entrepreneurship is another area. Mm -hmm. The workplace is another area. And so, because in order to create these systemic changes, we need to be, uh, to be able to create these spaces of trust in which we can talk um, not to just to say the polite things, to say, yes, I know this, yes, of course. No, to talk about from sh showing our vulnerabilities, what really I feel, I don't know how to talk to people, for instance, who are deaf, so I get stuck, so I don't know how to do it. So in which we can show our weaknesses, not weaknesses, things that we don't know, it's, that's human, it's okay. But we can talk about that and we can move forward. So, so that's why we are creating this festival in order to to hold those spaces for the conversation. That's wonderful. That's a really good idea. I think raising awareness is one of the the, the first steps, isn't it, towards towards change? 
Mercedes, if anyone wants would like to join the festival or be part of it, how could they do that? Where would they go to find out more information and to be able to sign up? Okay, they have to go to our website that is, the name is, I should paste it there, but I don't know because I am in the... Don't worry, I can I can put it in the show notes. Okay, uh, because it's uh, economiainclusiva.net. I'll try to, to paste it here if I can. So there you have all the information. The information is in English and in Spanish. Um, the festival will be held in Spanish, but we are trying to have interpretation in English as well. So yes. people that don't that uh, don't speak Spanish can participate as well. So we are in that <laughs> process. And and for instance, we have the first. Uh, again, we created all this festival in this U process that I told you about the theory U. Yeah. So we start with a like co-initiate the the festival on Thursday uh, that it's May the twenty sixth. With um, we're going to be at the Sodre, that is one of the most important theaters here in Uruguay. So we're going to have like a beautiful show, and then we're going to uh, create the atmosphere for people to be able to just like initiate this trip together. And we're going to have like opportunities to, to talk in small groups so we can get to know each other throughout Latin America and maybe people from Spain are joining and other parts of the world as well. Um, Apart from the um, yeah. in-person events, there are things happening online as well. You know, yeah, actually everything is online because this thing is in the Sodre, but we're going to live stream that for the online audience. Okay, and perfect. we design everything for the online audience. This uh, this hybrid part that is at the beginning and at the end is only to enrich the experience. But enrich, it's not that if you're online, you're going to be like just um, looking from the outside. No, you're a part. This is a, we design everything so everybody is part of this process. Fantastic. That's good. To yeah. Hear. Yeah. We're going to conduct everything th through Zoom uh, uh, because the last time we did it in a different platform, but actually, uh, Zoom is very accessible for everybody. Most people yeah. know how to use it. It's very easy to have like sign language and to spot like that and to, uh, it's, it's good for screen. Readers for people who for with visual disabilities is easy for people with intellectual disabilities because they are used to using it, so everybody can participate. <laughs> Fantastic, that's great to hear. Mercedes, going back to education um, and school teachers in particular, uh, we touched upon this, but if a if if a teacher would like to know more about how to be more inclusive in their classroom, how to learn more, etc., are there some obvious places that you could point them to uh, where they could go to find out more information or how to sort of uh, look into getting support, etc.? I mean, be they in Uruguay or anywhere in the world, really. I mean, is there, are there any obvious <clears throat> places which you'd recommend that you've come across? Well, for instance, well, in Latin America, we have this Red Regional, regional de, de Educación Inclusiva. It's a regional network of inclusive education. Yeah. Uh, we are part of that network as well. And then I'm going to try to paste the site. Of course, we Proedu is part of this network. And there we have, for instance, last year, uh, we had an online course for inclusive education, a very, I think it was an excellent course that we designed together with uh, experts worldwide. Um, and we cover all the different topics. It was free for everybody, for all the teachers. <laughs> yeah. And 
And what and, what would yes. be the first? So, in a course like that, what would be the first steps? So, what 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 do you what do you how do you approach raising awareness of teachers or helping them become more um, more inclusive in the classroom? Where do you start? Well, first of all, we usually when whenever we start with these kind of trainings or I don't know how to call them. Um, I usually start by, first of all, trying to see where we are, each of us, mm -hmm. uh, regarding uh, inclusion and how do we see, honestly, how do we see people with disabilities? Because as I was saying, first we have to realize uh, that, that we come from a history, no, in which yeah. We just uh, segregated people with disabilities, and this is something yeah, we sure. have in we in our uh, DNA almost because it's been for centuries. So mm -hmm. you don't realize, and you have a lot of biases towards that. So first yeah. of all, we need to realize that, be honest with ourselves and with others. It's not our fault. We've been raised. Uh, we'll be raised on that. People taught us about that, so that's why we have it. So, but we need to. Uh, to be able to see ourselves there in order to move forward. So this is like the basic point. First, let's be honest about how we feel, what our own barriers are regarding this, because mm -hmm. we all have that. Yeah. I always tell this story. <laughs> Magda, my daughter, when she mm -hmm. was, I think, 15, she was going to this regular school, uh, she was really looking forward having a boyfriend. <laughs> and she was always talking about, oh, I would like to have a boyfriend and a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I thought, and I and I expressed here in my family, said, oh, maybe we should start sending Magda to, with, to the Down Syndrome Association so she can meet other people, more people with Down Syndrome. In my imagination, thinking that Magda's boyfriend was going to have Down Syndrome as well. And then mm. my, my son told me, why, mom, why uh, do you think so? And, and he was right. <laughs> and then, yeah. uh, those are our, our own biases. We all have that. Now she has, uh, she has a boyfriend and he doesn't have Down syndrome. <laughs> 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 so it's like, but for me at that moment it was sad because it was, well, because we were raised in, in, in with this paradigm. Do you understand what I mean? So the first point is yeah. to to be aware, but honestly, without feeling like a shame or anything. It's okay. We have those biases. So but we need yeah. to be aware of that in order to try to overcome them. This is like for me, this is the starting point. Yeah. No, I remember um I I um was able to to attend a workshop on hidden biases, uh, which explored this idea that, you know, you may not be, the first thing you need, that needs to happen is everybody needs to be aware of the bias, accept that you have a bias or you have biases and be aware of them and start to explore your own opinions and attitudes and try to, as without that, I don't think you can change them, can you really? So that's the first, that's a starting point, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's very very important because once you have you are aware of that, well, the rest is just uh, well, one uh, being able to to act on that because it's, there's something like you need to have like an open mind, yeah, an open heart, and yeah. an open will. So it's like yeah. you open your mind first, so you 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 have to, uh, well again, to get awareness of your own biases and everything, then open your heart so you're open to, okay, to new ways of being in the world, to new ways of talking to each other, to new ways of learning, to new ways of interacting. And then open hands, like open will, because, well, we need to act. Now we need to do something Yeah. after that. So I think these three steps are like... <laughs> what we like is a nice process <laughs> of course and to go back to what your son said about your daughter um i think it's in 
interesting and important to be able to challenge other people. I mean, not not in a in a violent or um, in a conflictive way, but in the same way that your your son challenged your family's ideas about Magda, uh, mm. to be able to to talk about it, isn't it? And and to actually sort of say, do you really? Why is that? Why do you think that way? Um, perhaps as another way of of being of of thinking, because that in a way is a is the best way of actually exposing other people's hidden bias, if you like, and being able to talk through it and, and hopefully um, that will result in change. Yeah. And at the same time, as I was saying, whenever you make all these transformations, because you need to make transformations, it's not just, no, you need to, uh, and these are deep transformations. Yeah. But these transformations are beneficial to everybody, not just for people with disabilities. And at the same time, you know that worldwide we are facing a lot of challenges. Yeah. We are facing the climate change challenge. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are working towards like gender equity as well. So I always say this is not another challenge. This is the same it's the mm. same challenge because it's it's about transforming the way we are in the way the way we live with one another and we live with nature and we are yeah. we're part of nature we are nature as well human beings we are not something different we are nature as well so we need to find new ways of living together people and nature in order to ah, to continue being here <laughs> so uh, again, when we talk about people with it, it's the same. Whenever we talk about biodiversity, most people mm. understand that. No, we always say, well, we yeah. need to protect the biodiversity because we need to protect the ecosystems, blah, blah, blah. And biodiversity enriches ecosystems. And we all agree on that. Most of us agree on that, I think. Yes. And the same happening with people. Diversity is part of our richness, as it's part of our wealth as humankind, yeah. <laughs> it's not the opposite. It's what makes us better, it enriches us, give us uh, different ways of looking at the world. Um, I know, so we need <laughs> diversity. It's not so, it's not something, it's not a favor we are doing to other people. Of course, we need to do it because it's the right thing to do, because we are protecting dignity of people. And of course, that's, but on the other hand, it's because it's the best for everybody. <laughs> for of all course. humankind and nature as well. Yes, of course. It's that whole that idea of um, this sort of three main strands: and equality, diversity, and inclusion, and they're part of the same thing, really. Uh, to aim for everybody to be equal, to embrace diversity, and to be inclusive whenever you're uh, whatever. Um, whatever you're doing, basically, or whatever uh, professional. Yeah. yeah. And the, for instance, in at the workplace, I, of course, in education, when you see, when you have, for instance, uh, a true inclusive teacher, mm -hmm. all the students benefit from that because it's a more resourceful teacher. It's a teacher that can cater for all the students that he needs, that knows how each and one of the students like behave and so again in the workplace when you make all these transformations in order to have also people with disability live uh, work in there you at the end you have a much better working environment for everybody and this is not because i'm saying it like is <laughs> uh, there is some research that shows that for instance in education there was some research conducted that showed that inclusive environments were much better. Of course, for people with disabilities, they learn much more than in a segregated, in a special school, for instance. But also, people without disabilities, it's not that they just learn more uh, like social skills. No, they, they learn more about the academic subjects as well. So yeah. <laughs> it was a better environment, educational environment for everybody. And this is important that we have that in mind because sometimes 
this is not something about, well, I feel sorry about him or her. This is not the, the approach we need to have. I think we need to have the approach about like, we, we all human beings are of value to each other. We all have something to give. We all have something to learn. And the more diverse we are, <laughs> the environment is, the better for everybody. Of course. And I think it needs to start in school, doesn't it? Um, because that that's where if, if children as they're growing up um, are encouraged to be inclusive, if the environment is inclusive, then that then they will take that through onwards throughout whatever they do in life as well. Yeah, and totally. Take them back to the home as well. Um, of course, the family. Of course, education so is. We know is it's a like virtuous circle, isn't it? Yeah, totally. As Mandela says, like it's the best weapon we have to change the world. <laughs> education is crucial for everything. So, yes. I just want to call out to anyone. I can see there's a number of people actually listening in live. If any of you would like to join, um, join us and either um, chip in with your own opinion or your own experience, that would be great. Or if you have any questions you'd like to put to Mercedes, that would be great. Um, just let us know in the chat if you're, if you're within the, um, the app or if you're not listening in via the app, then come and join us using the Podbean app, and then you can actually call in as Mercedes has done as well. So we have about 10 minutes left or so, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is it, um, what else do you think you, do you have any plans, for example, in, in this area of inclusive education for the future, apart from the event that you're helping or to organize? What is it that you think you would like to, to do um, as an organization, as an individual? Well, um, I want to tell you about a project we had last year that I think um, is like and a beautiful way of also working towards becoming more inclusive in education. It was an action, a collective action research project uh, that we conducted here in Uruguay uh, together with Professor Mail Einsko from the University of Manchester. Yeah. Um, we did that in six schools here. And, it's, uh, and it was beautiful. Because the idea also with uh, this project is that at our schools and most of the teachers, and because that is true, we all have the tools we need in order to become inclusive. Mm -hmm. The issue is that sometimes we don't have time, and we all know that about <laughs> teachers, we don't have time to reflect, to work with others, to be researchers of our own uh, of our own practice and to learn from there. So we, we had this project with six schools here in which, of course, we started talking about inclusive education and, as I say before, all the things that we need to, to start with. But then we guided some kind of action research, but always yeah. in collaboration group of teachers working together, teachers and principals and with parents. And then this group of teachers first like uh, researching on the students that are at risk, why, hearing the voices of the students, not just assuming what I think, but uh, opening to the student voices, listening to them. And then based on that, do something to act on that. And also we have like, we held interactions between the different educational centers. So it was not just a collective um, action inside the school, but also in between schools. Mm -hmm. So, and it was very, very enriching. So we did that, we talk about that, we share um, then results, ideas, so other, schools could learn from a different school. And then we 
based on three different topics. Again, first, like paying attention to those students that are at risk, then looking at our own practice in the classroom. So you could observe other teachers first plan together, then observe teachers, but not to check on the teacher, but to check on the students, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they are being involved, why or why not. But again, in this atmosphere of confidence in which you are not judging anybody, we are learning together. Um, and then in the community, our relationship with the community, what other members of the community are involved uh, and how we can benefit from that towards working, uh, towards becoming more inclusive. Um, we have like uh, the testimonies of the different schools and it's really, it was a, a really beautiful process and very enriching. Now mm -hmm. we have to see how we continue <laughs> from here. Um, but yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of action research. Uh, I've been involved in a number of different projects across different countries um, related to exploratory action research, which this idea of encouraging teachers to identify a problem in the classroom or something that not necessarily a problem, but something to observe some kind of behavior of the students, for example, or some dynamic in the classroom to identify it, to gather some research about it, reflect upon it and try out some different solutions to, to try and make things to, to affect change in the classroom. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. It's quite a detailed um, and can be a lengthy process to be able to do, but the results can be very transform transformative, I think. And all of the teachers that, that I know have been involved in that type of action research have benefited amazingly through it. They've all been mm -hmm. wonderful fans of that type of um, action in the classroom. As I think, and what you said about peer observation, I think is so true. If you can get the opportunity to observe another teacher teaching, and as you said, not just not to look at the way that they teach, but to look at how the students react to them when they do certain, when the teacher does certain things or um, how a teacher is able to manage a class of, of students or react in a particular way to something that happens during the classroom. You can learn so much from it. And the other teacher can learn so much from it as well if you're able to um, talk to them about it because in the in the heat of the moment when you're teaching, I think it's very difficult to be able to to capture all of the information you need to to do uh, and and to teach at the same time as well. So it's I think in general, not even when it comes to learning more about in inclusion or um, students and how better to cater for them. But I think when it comes to that, if you have an inclusive classroom with students that require particular, that have particular special education needs, for example, I think this type of uh, intervention, action research is, is a wonderful way of actually uh, learning about what it is you need to change about your classroom, uh, about yeah. your teaching practice, et cetera. Absolutely. That's why when we were talking about at the beginning, systemic changes, in order for teachers to be able to do that on a regular basis, because this is something you need to do on a regular basis. You need to, yeah. to be able to reflect on your own practice with others, not along with others, to discuss, to talk, to see how we can move forward, how we can improve this or change that. This is a process that is a, that goes on. We need to change also the way we have uh, organized education. What I mean is that nowadays, most of the teachers don't have time to do that. Or, or if they yeah. do, they need to take that time from their personal time. So, yes. <laughs> so this is something about the systemic change. It's something that has to change in the system. We, we should move. And there are some schools that are doing that, trying that. That is not just about the, the time you work. It's not, the time, it's not only the time you are in the classroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's also the time in which you work with your peers to plan, to reflect, to, to continue uh, changing, looking for new ways. So again, because this is the, this is the, the basic, I think, 
in, in, uh, when we talk about education, one of the basic things is that teachers need to have time to reflect, to talk to others, to visit other teachers, to learn from one another, and to find new ways together. This is part of our job. Yeah, it's essential, isn't it, to be able to reflect upon your own teaching practice, to be able to share experience with other teachers, to observe if possible, to have that time to to learn more about teaching. It's beneficial for everybody, really. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Sometimes instead of having, uh, because, for instance, it happens sometimes uh, in the, some, oh, no, we need more hours of, for the students of these, and sometimes it's better to have to give the teachers more time to prepare to reflect than to pack with more hours for all the students to have more, like more. Sometimes less is more. <laughs> I don't know if I'm clear. It's important yeah. the quality of what you do. It's not the amount, but the quality. But in order to be able to do things that are of good quality, you need time to prepare, to talk, to discuss, to research. So. These are changes we need to try to implement. Yes, there's so so much change that needs to be affected, Mercedes, isn't <laughs> there? There's so many things that could be so much better. Um, yeah. And I, th I don't think that it's a shortage of ideas as well. I think the opposite. I think there are so many wonderful ideas, uh, things that you've been talking about today, for example, um, and, and others that other teachers have or other educators have in general. Um, I think the, the way forward, though, is to, to do what you can to make your positive change, whether it be as a teacher in your own classroom, in your own school, at a, on a larger basis as you're, you're doing um, in a country and even a region-wide basis, you're trying to affect change, which I think is very admirable. Um, and uh, I think that's the way to do it, isn't it? To really to try to identify what kind of positive change that you yourself can make and um, and try to, to affect it. Absolutely, because we are all change makers. Actually, we can all change something, whatever, in, it doesn't matter where we are. It's just mm -hmm. first by looking at ourselves and saying, well, today I can do this. So, and this is how we move forward, I think. So I'm really happy about the opportunity of sharing this today with you again, because this is part when we talk to other people, to yes. other teachers. So we are, we need to create these kind of communities of practice, communities of teacher and educators that are working together towards, and there are a lot. So it's beautiful because we can learn a lot from one another. So it's great to have the opportunity of connecting so thank you very much for this invitation, Ryan. Oh, a pleasure. I always knew when I started this uh, this show that I would be inviting you, Mercedes. <laughs> and then when you when you got in touch about the event that you're organising, I thought this would be um, a good opportunity. If any would if anyone would like to um, support that event and help Mercedes and the others organisers of 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 that with. Uh, interpretation into English from from Spanish, is that right? Or from Spanish and Portuguese? No, English and Spanish. English and Spanish. If yeah. you think you might be able to help with that, either volunteering or if you'd like to donate, then please um, get in touch with Mercedes uh, on Twitter, I guess is the easiest way to do so, or get in yeah. touch with me, etc. And, um, and we can make it happen. Ah, that would be lovely. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know who's living, who's listening, and who might be interested in in participating. That's the wonderful thing about doing something like this is that you you're never quite aware, uh, sure, who who you can get uh, get in touch with. So, Mercedes, we're coming out to the end of uh, time. I just want to thank you very very much for joining me today. It's uh, early in the morning. It's been a pleasure talking to you again, and I'm sure I'll uh, I'll talk to you again soon. I hope. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you very much. A pleasure, a pleasure. So that brings us to the end of today's show, everybody. And thank you for listening. Very special thank you again, Mercedes, for your time and for sharing your expertise and experience with us. Remember, there are teachers taught radio shows 
uh, all week. The next show will be The Twilight Show, I think, with Lucy Neuberger at 5 p.m. British uh, summertime. And you can join me again next week at the same time. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.